When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. carry on and plan the sequel because let's face it baby these days you gotta have a sequel and welcome back to micro queers it's our queer horror short roundup with feature films sometimes in the mix (laughs) oh my god (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm Joe. And I'm Trace. And this is our latest queer horror indie recommendation. Indeed, yeah. Trace, this could be quite possibly the most Canadian queer horror film we have ever talked about. I was going to say, uh, this seems like it's really right up your alley. Uh, but everyone, we were discussing Jacqueline Castell's My Animal, a lesbian werewolf romance mm-hmm. drama. With hockey. With Hockey. Um, this is something that – did you see this at Sundance? I did, yeah. Okay, so, so did I. Um, I confess, I, I'm glad we have a chance to rewatch this because I definitely mm-hmm. watched this at the tail end of my, like, 30 Sundance movie marathon. Whoa. And I was I did not give this movie my full attention, so I definitely okay. needed the rewatch. <laughs> yeah, and I, I did not see as many Sundance films as you did, but I saw this probably somewhere in the middle. I took note of it because I figured we might have an opportunity to talk about it, but – Mm-hmm. You know, as we were want to find during Sundance, some of the films were of varying quality, but also a lot of them didn't have distribution. So we weren't sure when this film was going to come out. So yeah, I was happy to have an opportunity to revisit it. And like you said, just kind of give it our full attention. Yes. And this is very explicitly queer. And of course, we have uh, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is uh, Amanda Stenberg in the film mm-hmm. as well as a co-lead. Although she is not the most interesting part of this movie because I got to say, uh, Miss Bobby Salvor Munez is really a find for me in this film. Yeah, I saw that her credits are listed as she's appeared in Euphoria, but when I thought back to who she could be, I couldn't place her on that show. Yeah, it it was a one episode thing, so it wasn't a lot. She was in a TV show called I Love Dick on Amazon uh, that starred Catherine Hahn and Kevin Bacon. Mm, I know of it, but I never watched it. Yeah, she was a recurring character on that show, but I also did not watch it. Um, But nevertheless, I mean, this is her movie front and center. So I guess before we get too deep into it, uh, Joe, would you recommend this film? So I would, but I'm going to do a little asterisk caveat on that, which is to say, I think the film is quite a bit too long for how slight the story it is telling. But I think the performances are really strong. And particularly, as I said, if you do like your Canadian horror, uh, this one feels quintessentially small Ontario town. Yeah. Also, I mean, it's Stephen McHattie. I feel like he shows up. Right? It's like, oh, yeah, Canadian movie. <laughs> I mean, not exclusively, but yeah, if he does show up, <laughs> your your likelihood of encountering a Canadian film is higher. 
Um, yes, I am actually in complete 100% agreement with you. Um, this is a slight recommend for me. The performances are what sell it and would make me recommend it. This is a movie that is over, but it's about an hour and 45 minutes long and it mm-hmm. is very slow, which is not necessarily a bad thing. However, right. I don't necessarily think the payoff, the big emotional and action climax that concludes the film mm-hmm. is necessarily worth the wait. Yeah, it's a struggle, right? Because really, at the heart of it, this is the story of Heather Salvor Munez, and she is growing up in, I don't want to say a fully repressive house, but clearly her parents are keeping secrets, and they are hesitant to let her out after certain times. Uh, they're very restrictive about who she gets to see and that kind of stuff. So it's giving you shades of, you know, Carrie and other things where it, it could be religious, but it's also just, you know, conservative parents. Yeah. And we come to learn over the course of the narrative that she is basically a burgeoning werewolf. Her father is also a werewolf. Her mother harbors a ton of resentment, I think, to her dad, but more so Heather, because Heather was supposed to be her little girl. And of course, Heather is also a big old lesbian. And <laughs> so in some ways, this is very much a YA coming of age film where Heather has to negotiate her sexuality. She ends up getting discovered. Her family is not entirely supportive. She lives in a small, conservative Ontario town. She just wants to be a goalie on a men's team because she is hyper-competitive. And then she meets Johnny. And all of a sudden... Her life gets messed up. I'm going to tell you, Joe, it took me way too long to realize this was a period piece. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, because we have in the very first scene, we have Heather like watching an old school TV. But yes. I was like, oh, that's fine. The family's retro. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> that TV could kill a person if it fell on them. Oh, 100%. Um, but of course, it, it, is, it is kind of important to is to understand why everyone is so anti-queer in this movie. Because, oh, my God, every Everyone is anti-queer in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate the fact that she has these twin younger brothers, Cooper and Hardy, played by the Halpenny twins, Charles and Harrison. And these kids are the biggest fucking dicks ever. And I kind of <laughs> love that they are also the golden children, even though Heather is clearly much better at sports. Like, she's daddy's girl and... I think that, again, lends itself to a certain amount of queerness where she wants to impress her father by going into a predominantly male-oriented sport, and then she excels. But I think – I don't know. I'm I'm curious about how you read this. Do you ever feel like she's struggling with her sexuality, or is it like, oh, I just don't know how to come out? I think it's the latter, because the okay. Johnny character is absolutely the one who's struggling with her sexuality, because right. her home life, at least in terms of the queerness, seems much more fraught and much mm-hmm. more religious, even though, I gotta say, uh, Johnny's dad, I thought he was gay. Oh, he fully, fully is, because her father, Marcel, with whom she apparently figure skates with, like, it's unclear if he's just her coach or if he's also her partner, but we do see them skate a couple of times together. But he's played by a Canadian legend, Scott Thompson, and you probably wouldn't recognize him, Trace, but he's one of the founding members of the Kids in the Hall, but he's, like, super, super gay. 
Oh, see, and I, I, that's kind of the thing is like once I mean, I'm jumping ahead here, but like once Johnny kind of breaks things off with Heather, mm-hmm. Johnny's not really a prominent figure in this movie anymore. No. And for how long this movie is, I mean, I get it. It's not the Johnny show where Heather is our protagonist, yeah. but I kind of wanted to know a little bit more about Johnny's life. Yeah, so I feel in total agreement with you. I think in part because Amanda Stenberg is so like they're just such a great actor and we've really seen them come come to fruition is the wrong word but we've seen them come into themselves in a variety of really fun different kind of roles over the last few years Mm -hmm. and the chemistry between heather and johnny is really good to the point that when johnny clearly starts to retreat back into the closet you know she's got a shitty boyfriend who plays I don't understand this. Plays baseball in the winter? I, Question I, mark? I, 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 I don't know. I, you, I don't know. You, you could have told me that was a normal thing and I would be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Sports. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of factors going on in Johnny's story that I think maybe makes it, I would argue, a little more conventional, but maybe right. also a bit more compelling. Heather's journey is slightly different because a lot of her – a lot of her struggle seems to be coming from, like, it's an interior struggle. Yeah, I mean, I, again, they're both dealing with their own things. I guess maybe it's a thing where it's like, I, I, I just don't like the fact that we don't get to kind of see them. Because they don't really, um, like, oh, oh my god, make up. They don't make amends by the end of this film. I mean, no. I guess, like, and, and that's where I'm kind of like, when the movie ended, I was like, oh, shit, like, that's the end. I was like, oh, well, so what is the story we're talking about here? Because then it... The film ending where it does, it does kind of make the Johnny character feel more of like superfluous. Not superfluous, because I do I do think it plays a part in giving Heather someone to relate to that's not just her father, right? Right. And, and, and to be clear, it's two very different things. She relates to her father more than her mother because they are both wolves. She relates mm-hmm. to Johnny more than anyone else in the film because it's the first, I'm assuming, the only other queer person she's met in her life. Yeah. No, it, it's true, right? I mean, at the end of the day, as you said, this is the Heather show. So I think in some ways, all of the other characters are about aiding Heather in her personal journey. So mm-hmm. – as a result, Johnny could never be a central figure because even though we want the two of them to get together or we want some kind of resolution, right? Like, I yeah. wanted Heather to confront Johnny when we get to the bar scene at the end of the film mm-hmm. because I wanted the catharsis of Heather getting to say, fuck you, you don't deserve me. Or, hey, Johnny, I'm actually better. And, you know, we get this sweeping lesbian romance. And we don't get any of that in part, I think, because of the period setting, but right. also because – it's not really that kind of film. We just want it to be because we feel for Heather. Exactly. Exactly. But and, but then that's why, though, with Munez, like, I mean, she has to carry this film. I, I think she's in pretty much every scene of this movie. Yeah. And I think she does a really good job. I also do want to say, is this Kestel's feature debut? Uh, I believe it is. Yes. Yes. Oh, she. you know, she comes to the world of music videos, and that makes a lot of sense. I actually think she has a very good visual, um, like an eye for visuals. Um, uh-huh. I could feel the cold in this movie, and <laughs> I, I mean, look, I, I, I'm sure some people are going to be like, oh, it's just so much red light. Can we just stop with that kind of, like, overbearing red lighting already? But you know what? I think it looks real good. 
Yeah, I didn't mind it at all. I mean, we we praise the performance because this is very much a character film. Mm-hmm. Like it's all about Heather, as we said. Yeah. But you're you're right. For me, the visuals of this, like particularly the sexy dreams where we shift yeah. from red to blue and even, you know, there's the weird moment where Heather imagines Johnny holding up an egg and then she covers her tits with it and then we're like kind of doing a snowballing action with the egg (laughs) it's all deeply erotic but it is shot like somewhere between a music video and a perfume commercial and i love the stylishness of it and that's the thing and like this isn't a style over substance film i think there's equal amount style and substance but yeah this (laughs) is very much um come for the lead performance and come for the style which i think a lot of people would be more forgiving of the film if it could have shaved about 15 minutes off because as you said the narrative isn't it's not particularly revolutionary right like this is a relatively straightforward conservative coming out story and it almost makes me wonder if we would be more appreciative of it not just if it was shorter or if it had more of that kind of payoff in the end like i'm not unhappy with the climax of the film but Mm -hmm. it is hard not to feel like the story is either just getting going or it's a bit of a oh Okay, so we're we're not going to go further. Would you put this in the good for her in uh, category of films? In a way, because Heather definitely gets her revenge against Johnny's shitty boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I had actually hoped that she was going to get revenge on all of those guys. Like when yeah. a group of them come out, I wanted her to take them all out and just kind of rid the town of these a-holes. Mm. So it, it was still satisfying to see her take him out. Even though we kind of cut away. Well, we, we cut away because I don't think we have the budget to no. show an actual wolf attack or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a budget for prosthetics or CGI gore or something like that. And that's the other thing, everyone. So, I mean, I, 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 I don't even want to say she is a werewolf, but like she just becomes a wolf. Like this isn't like yeah. a humanoid wolf creature. And I haven't watched the trailer for this, but the poster is very much pushing the wolfiness of this film. And mm-hmm. I do feel like that's eventually going to hurt it for anyone walking into this movie expecting a werewolf movie. Well, it is interesting, right? Because so much of the film dances around it. Like the revelation that she is turning into a wolf is almost something that the film keeps close to its vest until the last act. You know, there's a lot of sequences where she goes out near midnight and her watch starts to beep and then she's got to run home through the woods. I'm really fond of the moment in the film where they all go to the casino and they trip acid and then she basically has a freak out because she's not going to get home on time. It's a really good sequence, but so much of the film seems to be playing with that, you know, oh, what happens if she doesn't get home on time? And as an audience member who has seen more than one werewolf film, (laughs) we know what the answer is. Yeah, I will say that I was kind of pleased, like, we did have a lot of um, parallelism between, okay, like, she's a werewolf, but she's also a lesbian, and so, like, we're kind of doing that as, like, as the parallels there. It it doesn't hammer it home too hard, but I I, I liked it. I mean, again, like, I think it works for all the themes of the film and what it's trying to do. For sure, for sure. I mean, to me, this is a good companion piece to something like Ginger Snaps, which mm-hmm. shot in the same part of Canada, uh, has the same kind of small town vibe, winter-ish setting. That one is obviously a little bit more set in fall. But it has this kind of, I don't know, down hominess to it. Like, this film feels a little rough and ready around the edges. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of its charm 
then mixed with the stylishness of the red and the nightmare sequences. Like, to me, it's a complimentary film in that regard. It's just that the storytelling isn't particularly adventurous. And I do think a lot of folks are going to go into this and say, oh, okay, yeah, like, it's fine. But I thought there would be more. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of how I felt about it as well. So again, it's a slight recommend. I don't, uh, um, but I I would probably, like you, offer some caveats before I would just tell someone to go seek this movie out. Yeah, I think this is going to resonate really strongly for certain people. I could even see this if younger folks can get behind the runtime and the fact that the storytelling is relatively straightforward. I think this could be a really important film for like young queer women. Sure. Yeah, I could totally see that. Because also masturbating to glow is yeah. a deeply relatable <laughs> piece. Oh, yeah. I, I will say too, I really like this the, the sex scene too. Like it, it's a very like, it's not I wouldn't call this movie an erotic movie. But when mm-hmm. it is sexy, it is sexy. Yeah, which is surprising because in some ways you think, oh, well, we're not going to get the gore, like we're not really doing the animal stuff. So Mm -hmm. we're probably not going to go too, too sexy because these are quote unquote teens. They're not, but they're playing teens. And uh, yeah, this sex scene is hot. It's good. Like lesbian sex scenes in queer horror have gotten really good lately. I was going to say, right? <laughs> Gays still got some ground to make up, but uh, yeah, the lesbians are are having a good go of it. Yeah, it's just because people are so afraid of butt stuff. <laughs> well, there is that, yeah. <laughs> we need a few more swallows. We need a few more hypochondriacs. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, everyone, let us know what you thought. This, of course, is available on VOD right now. Um, so uh, if you want to go give some money to some indie queer horror, uh, do that. <laughs> there you go. You got your marching orders. Yeah, but until next time, we can cross out my animal. Indeed. And cross out microqueers. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now.